Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Come Follow Me Today, a brief message to help us experience an additional spiritual moment in our otherwise complicated lives. My name is Caleb Sanford, and thank you for joining me as we accept Christ's invitation to follow him today. If you think this show would be useful for someone you know, feel free to hit the share button, and don't forget to rate this podcast to make it easier for others to find. For those of you new to the show, we're studying the Book of Mormon, another testament of Jesus Christ, loosely following the study curriculum of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And today we're going to be in Alma chapters 58 to 62. Well, today we're going to cover the letters that Moroni and Pahoran write each other as the war continues between the Nephites and the Lamanites. This is by far my favorite story in the Book of Mormon, because there are a couple really important lessons that we can learn from this interaction. So let me get, a, get us up to speed here. As you'll recall, the Nephites and the Lamanites have started their biggest conflict to date, and it has no end in sight. Moroni has taken command of the Nephite armies, and Pahoran is currently the political leader for the Nephites back in their capital of Zarahemla. We like both of these men. Moroni has proven to be a great man and military leader, and Pahoran seems to have done a good job so far of maintaining the law of the land. However, there is a faction in Zarahemla that wants to go back to a monarchy form of government, and has been plotting to overthrow the democracy and reinstate a king. This faction refers to themselves as the kingmen. So in chapter 58, Helaman the prophet, who has been directly leading a small army of 2,000 Ammonites, writes an epistle, or letter, to Moroni to explain that while his army has been very successful in taking back lands that the Lamanites had previously overthrown, his armies are small, and he's concerned about his ability to hold all the cities that he's in control of if he doesn't receive some reinforcements from the capital. So, Moroni then writes a letter to Pahoran in the capital, requesting reinforcements and aid for Helaman so that he can retain all the lands that had been recaptured. And then after sticking the letter in the mail, Moroni returns to his own plans of retaking the remainder of the lost Nephite cities. Well, soon after, the city of Nephiha, a Nephite stronghold, is overrun and seized by the Lamanites. Well, this is when Moroni cracks. He's frustrated. He's frustrated that there had been no reinforcements sent to the city of Nephiha to retain it, and now it will be even more difficult to retake He's frustrated at the wickedness of his own people, which is contributing to their downfall. And he may even be frustrated with himself for having made what turned out to be a poor military decision when he took his own forces away from Nephiha to continue the war in other parts of the land, thus leaving the city more exposed to the Lamanites. Well, in Moroni's frustration, he decides to write a second letter to Pahoran, blaming him for the bad outcomes of the Nephites. Unfortunately, Moroni really eviscerates Pahoran in this letter. Let me read some of the highlights. Quote, Behold, I direct mine epistle to Pahoran in the city of Zarahemla, who is the chief judge and the governor over the land, and also to all those who have been chosen by this people to govern and manage the affairs of this war. For behold, I have somewhat to say unto you by the way of condemnation. For behold, ye yourselves know that ye have been appointed to gather together men and send forth against the Lamanites, in whatsoever parts they should come into our land. But behold, great has been the slaughter among our people. Yea, thousands have fallen by the sword, while it might have otherwise been if ye had rendered unto our armies sufficient strength and succor for them. Yea, great has been your neglect towards us. And now behold, we desire to know the cause of this exceedingly great neglect." Yea, we desire to know the cause of your thoughtless state. Can you think to sit upon your thrones in a state of thoughtless stupor while your enemies are spreading the work of death around you? Ye have withheld your provisions from them. 
insomuch that many have fought and bled out their lives. Yea, and this they have done when they were about to perish with hunger, because of your exceedingly great neglect towards them. Ye ought to have stirred yourselves more diligently for the welfare and the freedom of this people. But behold, ye have neglected them, insomuch that the blood of thousands shall come upon your heads for vengeance. End quote. All right, so a pretty harsh letter. Moroni even goes on to accuse Pahoran of being a traitor and says that if Pahoran doesn't immediately send assistance to him and Helaman, that Moroni is going to march on Zarahemla, cause insurrections among the people against Pahoran, and remove him from power. Quote, Behold, I wait for assistance from you. And except ye do administer unto our relief, behold, I come unto you, even in the land of Zarahemla, and smite you with the sword, insomuch that ye can have more power, no more power to impede the progress of this people in the cause of our freedom. End quote. And then the final nail in the coffin, Moroni brings God into the conversation. Quote, for behold, the Lord will not suffer that ye shall live and wax strong in your iniquities to destroy his righteous people. Ye know that ye do transgress the laws of God, and ye do know that ye do trample them under your feet. End quote. Okay, so let's take a minute to analyze what's really going on here. Moroni has observed a set of facts. Helaman and his army have not received reinforcements or support from the government. The city of Nephiha just fell due to a lack of sufficient troops to defend it. Moroni and his forces are also continuing to struggle from hunger and lack of reinforcements. And finally, even though Moroni already sent one letter to Pahoran asking for help, it still hasn't arrived. That's it. That's all we really know. Those are the facts on the ground. So for Moroni, there's a gap between what his expectations of Pahoran were and what actually happened. He expected Pahoran to send support, and Pahoran didn't. This happens to you and me all the time. My wife expects me to take out the garbage, and I don't do it. I expect my direct report at work to submit their deliverable complete and on time, and they don't do it. The elders quorum president expects me to interact with the families I'm assigned to minister to, and I haven't yet. You expect me to be on time to ward council, and I'm not. I expect the car next to me to, cut, to not cut me off, but they did. You expect the person coming towards you on the bike path to put on their mask, but they don't. These expectation gaps are happening every day to each one of us. We all have expectations of what should occur, and often those expectations are not met. So what do we do? Moroni chooses in this situation to fill his gap with suspicion. He assumes he knows what's going on inside Pahoran's mind, and why Pahoran is not doing what Moroni wanted. Basically, Moroni decides that Pahoran is bad, negligent, disobedient, slothful, and sends this second letter to chastise him for his inaction. Now, in the next episode, we're going to read Pahoran's response to Moroni, but let's pretend for now that we don't know what Pahoran is going to say. We don't know whether Moroni is right or wrong about his assessment of the situation. Just like in our own lives, when someone doesn't meet our expectations, there's no way for us to really know in that moment why they're doing what they're doing. My wife doesn't know why I didn't take out the garbage. I don't know why my direct report was late turning in his project. The elders quorum president doesn't know why I didn't visit my ministering families. You don't know why I was late to ward council. And I don't know why the guy next to me cut me off on the road. The question for us to decide in those moments is whether we assume the worst, like Moroni did, and believe that we know why the other person did or didn't do whatever it was that we were expecting. 
Do we choose to fill our expectation gaps with suspicion of the other person and write them off as bad, negligent, disrespectful, disobedient, or lazy? Often this is what we do, and it damages relationships. Whether Moroni was right or wrong, his letter to Pahoran is almost certainly going to damage their relationship. And beyond that, it left Moroni feeling angry and discouraged. So what's the alternative? Well, if we look to Helaman, who is in just as precarious a position as Moroni, with not enough troops to control his territory, not enough food to feed his 2,000 stripling warriors, and having received no help or communication from the capital, or from Moroni for that matter, in some time, his expectations are almost certainly not being met either. But he chooses to place trust in the gap. Rather than assuming he knows the intent behind Pahoran or Moroni's actions, he writes to Moroni, quote, Now we do not know the cause that the government does not grant us more strength. Behold, we do not know but what ye are unsuccessful, and ye have drawn away the forces into that quarter of the land. If so, we do not desire to murmur. And if it is not so, behold, we fear that there is some faction in the government, that they do not send more men to our assistance. But behold, it mattereth not. We trust God will deliver us, notwithstanding the weakness of our armies, yea, and deliver us out of the hands of our enemies, end quote. So Helaman, the spiritual leader of the Nephites, is recognizing that he doesn't know why neither Moroni or Pahoran have sent him more troops and supplies, that perhaps something bad has happened to them and they weren't able to. He knows both Moroni and Pahoran are good people, good leaders, faithful disciples of God, And so he gives them the benefit of the doubt. Not only does this strengthen their relationships, but it leaves Helaman in a better place. He's feeling confident in his faith and that of his army. He knows that regardless of what happens, God will lead them to the other side of the conflict. Despite the raging war all around him, you can almost sense that he is feeling content, proud of his young warriors, and happy with his position in life. That's the choice you and I have each time someone doesn't meet our expectations. Do we recognize the goodness in them and give them the benefit of the doubt that there may be a valid reason why they didn't do what we needed them to and thus strengthen our relationship with that person? Or do we immediately place suspicion on the other person and assume we know the intent behind their actions? This often leads to relationships being damaged and both individuals feeling discouraged. As you and I strive to accept our Savior's invitation to follow him today, Let's make sure that, like Christ, we are seeing the good in those we interact with and recognize that those around us may have things happening in their lives that we don't know about. Rather than assuming the worst when someone lets us down, let's reach out to discover what might be happening in their lives and provide support to help us all achieve our divine potential. Thank you for listening today, and we'll see you next time for part two of this episode, where we'll discuss Pahoran's response to the situation with Moroni.